Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in Well, hello, saints. It's good to be back with you today. Let's go to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the way that science proves the Bible. And I thank you, Father, that you have opened up a new realm of possibilities for us in faith. And I praise you for that, Father. Let this word today go out and uh, help people to realize the opportunities in faith that we have through your word and how it relates to science or science relates to it. And I thank you for that, Father. Lord, uh, bless us today. Anoint us to get this message out and and uh, that it would be a blessing to everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's uh, what I want to talk about today. And uh, it's quantum physics proves faith. Quantum physics proves faith. In Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he says comes to pass, he shall have it. Therefore I say unto you, All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And looking at it from a surface level, it would seem a ridiculous statement that Jesus made. How is it possible that a spoken word could send a mountain to the sea? Well, I want to talk to with you about faith today, but I'm going to use some people. Uh, one of them is Annette Caps. She had a book out called uh, Quantum Faith. And I'm going to use some of her stuff in here to show you the relationship between quantum physics and faith. And also, I'm going to use some of Steve McVeigh's stuff. So let's get into it, okay? Mustard seed and quantum physics. When Jesus said in Luke 17 and 6, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say. Now, he's speaking of the smallest seed that could be seen in his time. And if he were here today, he might say, if you had faith as an atom, or even smaller, if you had faith as a quark, Q-U-A-R-K, and that's a subatomic particle. And the point he was making was that small things that cannot be easily seen manifest themselves and affect things in this larger world where we live. Quantum physics is the study of things so small that we can't see them. Yet everything we see is made of these subatomic particles. Now remember what Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Before God spoke and said, Let there be light, the substance for light was already there. The sound vibration of his words 
cause the substance to manifest and appear. Words are energy, and energy affects matter. The energy of your microwave vibrates the water molecules and heats the water. The energy of electricity flows to your washing machine and powers the motor that spins the tub and cleans your clothes. So we can rightfully say that energy affects matter. Now listen to this. Your words are energy and they affect the matter in your life. When you speak the words, this is the worst car I've ever had, you stupid piece of junk. Those words are vibrations of energy that affect the atoms that make up that car. And if you speak those words long enough, your car is going to obey you. Scientists have performed experiments with atoms and their subatomic particles such as electrons. And if you paid attention in school, you saw the diagram of an atom with the electron orbiting around it like the Earth orbits the sun. The interesting thing is that scientists have discovered that the electron that is shown orbiting the nucleus is not always there in particle form. It exists in a wave state, like a cloud. It's everywhere at once, until someone looks at it. When the scientist observes it, it suddenly appears as a dot or a particle. And what we all want to know is, how does it know somebody's looking at it? Well, it obviously is responding to the observer's interaction with it. And one of the difficulties in quantum physics is that the particles behave somewhat differently for each observer, which leads to the question, does it behave according to what the scientists believe? Well, in any event, we can definitely conclude that Jesus was right when he taught that all matter responds to faith and works. The substance from which our world is made is influenced and manifested by works. The things that you desire are made up of atoms. They know what you believe, hear, and what you say and behave accordingly. The thoughts and beliefs that you carry also produce an energy around you. Have you ever noticed that when you're angry or, or mad, things go wrong and people are insulting and they're angry with you? Your thoughts and beliefs produce an energy that people can perceive and react to. And if you believe that no one likes you, then you emit that rejecting type of energy and people will be driven away from you. But if you love people and you care about them, they're going to feel that and be drawn to you. Have you ever been around someone who is pleasant and full of love? It's an energy you can actually feel. The energy of love is a powerful drawing cord for good in your life. After all, God is love, isn't he? When you believe that God loves you and wants you to prosper, then you change your words and beliefs about money. Now, I have learned to think and believe and say things always work out for me. Everything that I do prospers and I have abundance in Jesus' name. God's not limited to the things that you, you and I see. There's an infinite supply of substance waiting to be manifest according 
to your beliefs and words. You know, things have made words. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it's going to obey you. Well, bringing things down to their atomic level and learning that scientifically, these particles respond to people has had a significant effect on my faith. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree and said, no man eat food from thee hereafter forever, then that fig tree dried up from the atomic level because of his word. When he spoke to the winds and the waves, they obeyed him. Jesus was teaching us the undeniable biblical principle that things obey words. Jesus did not demonstrate this just to prove he was the son of God. He demonstrated it and then told his disciples that they too could speak words of power. He wanted us to have the revelation that we are powerful spirit beings who can speak to the mountains in our life and they will obey us. And one of the reasons that some people have a hard time believing this principle is that sometimes it takes a long time for things to manifest from the unseen into this seen realm. And it especially takes a long time when you dig up your seed every day to see if anything is happening yet. Just remember, the seed will produce in its time if you leave it alone. Do you believe that the words you speak come to pass? Now, from this time on, listen to what you're saying to the things around you. Are you speaking curses to your finances? Are you telling them to dry up from the roots? Well, how about your children? What are you telling them? They're going to obey your prophecies of failure and delinquency. Things are responding to your words every day. So speak good things to all that surrounds our life. If you really believe Jesus' words, you'll monitor your thoughts and conversations because you're the one giving substance to your world through your words. All things are made of atoms, including your children, your car, your computer, your house. None of these things is solid, including your kitchen table, even if it's made of oak. You may not see the space between the atoms in your table, but if you could see that small, you could also see movement. That's right. Your kitchen table is vibrating. Everything has a frequency of vibration. You vibrate. Your car vibrates. Even the mountain behind my house vibrates. They all have a natural frequency. Now, look at how a microwave heats a cup of water. The frequency vibration of microwave is much higher than that of water. When those high-frequency waves begin to bombard the water molecules, the electrons in the atoms are excited and move more and more rapidly, a higher vibration. The result is that the substance, the water, becomes hotter. The electrons have jumped to a higher orbit, changing the behavior of the water into boiling. And when you introduce cold temperature to water, it slows down the vibrations of the atomic structure to such a degree that the water becomes more solid and freezes. 
all things respond to the vibration of energy. What kind of energy are you producing? Do you want your water boiling or frozen? Are you producing faith-energized high-frequency words to your children, to your finances, to your health? Or do you introduce low-frequency negative words that freezes your circumstances into a continual series of crises? You have a choice to use the energy of your words to change matter. The things in your life will obey your words. By speaking to objects such as your computer, stupid computer, it's going to crash, and you'll find that it obeys you. It doesn't care whether crashing is a good thing or a bad thing. It just obeys you. Or you can make another choice when speaking to things. Boy, this is a good car. My truck is good. It always starts and runs well. Well, but I would be lying. I haven't had problems with it, you say. Yeah, but do you want to reinforce that which exists? Or change it. By acknowledging the good things about the car, you create a positive belief about it, which will ultimately change it to what you desire. Imagine taking the highest frequency of all, the vibrating, creating words of God, and changing the vibration of those things you want changed. What is it that you desire? The bigger question is this, what are you choosing? The possibilities for your life are unlimited. Quantum physics is a realm where the known laws of physics, Newtonian physics, no longer apply. In classic physics, that's Newtonian physics, you can repeat experiments using the same formulas and get the answers and responses that you expect. The experiments are repeatable. And you can expect that this is the way things work. For instance, when Isaac Newton saw the apple fall from the tree to the ground, he discovered a natural law called gravity. And you can experiment with gravity all you like, and it'll work every time. What goes up must come down. If you jump off the roof of your house, you're going to go down, not up. But in the the quantum subatomic area, there are only possibilities and probabilities. Things don't work like you think they should. Nothing is there until you look. All that exists is only an infinite number of possibilities. Remember what Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes, Mark 9.23. Whereas gravity works whether anyone is present or not. A tree falls down. It don't fall up, even if no one is there to look at it. Subatomic particles are not there unless someone, an observer, looks for them. You can't really know what they're doing or even if they exist when we're not looking. And it's possible that they are not. 1 Corinthians one twenty eight says that God has chosen the things that are not to bring to naught things that are. How can a thing not be? This scripture makes no sense at all until you bring it down to the atomic level. All things are made up of atoms, which are made of subatomic particles. And these particles are not really particles because they exist only in a state of possibilities until 
someone observes them, at which point they appear as a thing, a particle. And if that sounds crazy, read Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you hope for something, where does it exist? Only in your mind and the heart. It is not. It is only a possibility. Hebrews 11 and 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds have been framed by the word of God, so that what is seen has not been made out of things which appear. So that what is being observed has not come out of what is appearing, what's visible. And that statement, this is a statement that could have been made by a physicist. What makes it appear? You, the observer, with faith that gives substance to your hopes and dreams. Faith observes that which is not and gives it substance so that it may appear and become visible. And the key to manifesting matter is to interact with that which is not so that it becomes what you hope for. Your expectations and beliefs, or what you observe, is of primary importance. If you observe and expect failure, sickness, or disaster, that is exactly what will manifest. They are an infinite number of possibilities that exist for your life. You alone have the power to choose which possibility becomes reality in your life. So choose wisely. And the way things work in quantum theory is so weird and bizarre that we really don't have the language to describe it. And this is one of the reasons that most people have no interest in quantum physics. It simply isn't understandable to most people. If I could show you an example of subatomic behavior in this macro world where we live, you would be able to grasp the idea. But sometimes the quantum micro world seems upside down and backwards from what we observe every day in the natural macro world. And if you study quantum physics, it sounds like faith language. Now, all we have been through over the years about faith and confession, suddenly it sounds scientifically possible through quantum uh, physics. And all the things we accepted on faith because Jesus taught them now sounded as if Jesus was speaking the language of quantum principles. After all, just how bizarre is it to say that words can move mountains? In order to believe the words of Jesus, it's necessary to let go of old ideas and open yourselves to new ones. You let go of your beliefs in the way you think things work and accept a new set of beliefs. The principles of faith and confession that Jesus taught seem like nonsense when seen from a worldly point of view. But Jesus said that we are not of this world. We are in the world, but not of it. John 17, 16. And we operate in a different set of laws what Jesus called the laws of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the realm where God lives. Different realm, different rules. The laws of the kingdom of God defy explanation. And that's because they don't operate strictly in the material, physical level, but on a higher overriding principle that is the basis of creation. 
Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God spoke the unseen into existence by his word. Words are unseen vibrations that obviously have an effect on manifesting or changing matter. You may have already experienced these laws that that defy explanation. The classic laws of physics, specifically gravity, says that a 180-pound man can't walk on top of the surface of the water without sinking. So Jesus must have known about a law that supersedes the law of gravity. Current medical science says that lepers and cripples cannot be healed and restored to perfect health in seconds or minutes. It takes time. Did Jesus bypass time? Scientists and even small children know that solid matter cannot pass through walls. Jesus assumed a form that walked through a wall. Did he transform his physical matter into energy that passes through matter like radio waves through the walls of your home? These behaviors were so strange that many people choose to believe that they did not happen because it's not possible in the physical macro world where we live. Physical laws that we take for granted are superseded by the person of Jesus Christ, and they can be superseded by those who accept the principles of the kingdom of God. John fourteen twelve says, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And by comparing quantum physics with spiritual laws, let's look at a different way of thinking. And by doing so, open this whole new avenue and understanding of the faith that moves mountains. Glory to God. Faith is an unseen energy force. It's not matter. But it creates matter and actually becomes matter. The faith that you use to call forth the manifestation of healing or finances changes form when the manifestation takes place. That's because faith, energized words, convert energy to matter. Words are the catalyst that turns the substance of faith into physical manifestation. Faith is the raw material for which all matter is made. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that faith is the substance It's the invisible substance form which your physical world was and is created. God used faith substance and word energy to create the universe. He spoke and the vibration or the sound of his words released the substance that became the stars and planets. Words are the carrier of substance. They carry the substance to wherever it is directed. If you direct your faith to the healing of your body, then your words carry healing energy to the cellular level of your body. And on the vibration of your words, faith substance is carried to your body where it becomes healing substance. And just as God created the universe by faith substance and word energy, you create your own universe by your faith and your words. And if you don't like what you created, You can change it, glory to God, because everything is connected. In quantum mechanics, the observation of something changes it, 
And you can never really be sure if it even existed before you looked. Because you looked, you actually interfered with whatever was before you looked. Now, if that sounds confusing, it's not. It just means that we affect everything around us just by how we see it or what we believe. Jesus said to the centurion, Matthew 8, As you have believed, so be it done unto thee. Well, it's a good thing he believed the servant was healed. Our perceptions return to us exactly what we perceive and how you interact with this quantum field of possibilities. The unseen realm form which all is created determines what manifests in your life. We've been given an empty slate, folks, and Jesus said it's up to us what we choose to put on it. With the disciples, Jesus used farming to illustrate his point. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. But if you choose to sow weeds, you're going to reap weeds. We've been programmed in this world to sow the wrong kind of seed and then wonder what happened. Everything has become separate and disconnected, but quantum physics brings us again to the reality that Jesus taught that all things are interconnected. God's not up in heaven sitting on his throne sowing seeds and making choices for us that may be bad or good. Folks, we're sowing our own seeds and making our own choices for good or evil. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before thee life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore choose life that thou mayest live and thou and thy seed. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We make the choices. What you do and believe affects everyone and everything around you. You actually create your own reality. Your perception of life becomes your life. And that's why it's so important to change your perceptions, beliefs, and expectations so that they agree and line up with the abundant life that has been provided. Are you perceiving and believing in the blessings or the curses? Mark eleven twenty three said, But shall believe that what he saith shall come to pass. He shall have it. Do you sincerely hold the belief that your words can change, demolish, or heal that which exists and creates that which does not exist? And if you don't believe that, you're as powerful as Jesus said. Then why not? Is it because you feel unworthy? Less than or inferior to Jesus? Where'd that belief come from? If you hold negative thoughts and beliefs, then you must discover them and change your beliefs. Until you uncover the hidden beliefs that control your life, you're not going to be able to operate in the kind of power that Jesus said that we have. What you believe in your heart is the controlling force of your life. You're either controlled by faith or you're controlled by fear. And it's real easy to identify negative limiting thoughts and unbeliefs. They bring fear. They make you feel bad. They manifest in your life as hopelessness and expectations of sickness, poverty, failure, and defeat. And they make you feel stuck. But you can reprogram your beliefs by speaking energizing, 
life-giving words of power. Speak only what agrees with who Christ said you are, and you can eliminate the old belief system that has dominated you. Remember, what is seen is created from what is unseen. Your outward circumstances are a reflection of your beliefs. And before you can change circumstances, you've got to change yourself. To speak to the mountain and have it removed, you must believe those things you say will come to pass. Hearing yourself speak or confess what God has said about you puts faith in your heart and changes your perceptions and interactions with the world around you. Ultimate reality is defined by love. Augustine, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of all time, affirmed that God's love is the glue that holds all things together, the very fabric of the universe. To look into the transcendent world within which this temporal world exists is to see a place where you are eternally endeared. And if Augustine was correct, the universe is tilted in your favor or to echo the psalmist, this I know that God is for me. Psalm 56, 10 and 9. And to glimpse into that world is to see an invisible kingdom of kindness where there are no limits to what you can receive and achieve by grace. It's the point where you can connect with the one who will guide you on your journey in this invis- this visible world. Whether you want spiritual growth, deeper relationships, or greater progress in other areas of life, the kingdom of God is a field of favor that holds the key to unlocking your true potential and making your God-given dreams a reality. People often think that faith creates something out of nothing. It doesn't. Faith causes things that already exist to manifest in space-time. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that faith is the substance. S-U-B sub suggests it takes a stance on an underlying reality that is already there. Faith is evidence of things not seen which do exist. Everything necessary to give you the life experience you were born to know is there. It's waiting on you. In the 1920s, the Danish physicist Niels Bohr and his colleagues debated the nature of reality when they agreed that all possibilities exist inside the quantum world in a state called superposition. Superposition suggests that a quantum particle, such as an electron or photon, can exist simultaneously in multiple states or positions. In multiple states or positions. Now, a weird thing about this quantum reality is that something can exist in more than one way, in more than one place, at the same time. Did you get that? More than one place at the same time. The whole, the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics is one way to understand the strange rules of the quantum world. It says that <clears throat> tiny particles like electrons exist in a blurry state of probability. 
until we measure or observe them, at which point they pop into a definite place. This observer effect in science says we influence manifestation by focusing on something until it materializes in our experience. The outcome is simply a possibility in another dimension. Ooh, my glory. Before it manifests, a quantum particle is described by a wave function, which represents the probabilities of finding a particle in different positions or possible outcomes. This wave function is a superposition of all possible states, meaning that the particle is simultaneously in all of these states. When an observation is made, the wave function collapses into a single definite state and the particle comes to one specific position. This process, known as a wave function collapse, is a certain element, is a central element of the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics. Another way this collapse is often described is popping a quiff, Q-U-I-F-F, which refers to the quantum wave function manifesting as one identifiable outcome. In essence, superposition and wave function collapse implies that the quantum world contains all possible outcomes until observed, at which point the wave function collapses and one definite outcome manifests. And it's to your benefit to under this point. Every outcome is already there. Faith does not create anything, but it calls forth a manifestation that shifts its location from the invisible to the visible. Faith moves it from potentiality to actuality. Jesus said that all things are possible to the one who believes. The heart of the matter isn't whether the outcome is possible. It is. The crux of the issue revolves around our understanding and practice of faith. Faith is not wishing and hoping. It knows without a doubt. Faith is the answer to prayer. To this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every detail of God's kingdom already exists and is available to manifest in this world when we approach it through faith. Faith doesn't cause something to come out of nowhere, but causes it to come from somewhere. The quantum world is a world of probability, not absolute control. That's how it is with the kingdom of God. Every outcome is already there inside the divine matrix. Don't create it, but instead you facilitate it coming to you by faith. The deficit we perceive in our lives is not because the answer to our prayer isn't there. The problem is in our limiting beliefs. And I challenge you to open your mind to the reality that nothing is impossible with God and that all things are indeed possible to the one who believes. Limiting beliefs are negative thoughts or ideas about ourselves and life itself. They can be based on past experiences, societal norms, or other factors influencing us. 
and they can be incredibly dangerous when they prevent us from realizing our full potential and limit our ability to experience the things intended for us. Many scientific studies have proven how debilitating, limiting beliefs can be. There's one study by the Yale School of Public Health found out that older adults who hold negative beliefs about aging, such as being less capable than younger adults, had a higher risk of developing Alzheimer's disease than those who held an optimistic viewpoint on aging. Another journal, Psychology of Sport and Exercise, reported that research showed that athletes with limiting beliefs about their abilities paid the price for it. Those who thought that they weren't as skilled as their competitors performed more poorly and were more likely to give up on challenges than those who had a more positive beliefs about their abilities. Research published in Psychosomatic Medicine found that people who held negative beliefs about their ability to cope with stress, such as believing that they were not resilient or didn't have effective coping skills, had poor health outcomes, including higher levels of inflammation, higher rates of chronic diseases. A study published in a journal of personality and social psychology bulletin found that students who held fixed beliefs about intelligence, such as believing that their intelligence was a fixed trait that couldn't be improved through effort or practice, had lower academic achievement and were more likely to give up on challenging academic tasks than those who held more growth-oriented beliefs about intelligence. Limiting beliefs can negatively affect you in many ways, including the way you express your faith. Limiting beliefs are based on lies, and they are kryptonite to super faith. And they have to be dealt with if you're going to realize the things that have been divinely intended for you. Limiting beliefs have developed over a long time. Usually, they aren't instantly disarmed, but it is possible at any moment to begin to align ourselves with ultimate reality so that they gradually dissipate until they finally disappear. Now, it might be a good time for you to consider a related question. What divine plans for your life might be thwarted or even stalled by limiting beliefs that hold you back? Moses found the strength and courage he needed. So can you. You know, it's important to note that finding freedom from limiting beliefs that have debilitated us for a long time isn't instantly and magically attained. Instead, growth in this area is a learning process. It was one that Moses had to have reinforced repeatedly as he led the nation of Israel through the desert toward the promised land because he faced situations over and over again that put him to the test. For instance, there was the day when the people found themselves trapped, remember that, between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And thinking their destruction was imminent, They were filled with terror, and they were desperate, and they cried out to Moses, who in turn found a private place and expressed the same fear to God. He was still battling the limiting belief that he wasn't equipped to handle certain circumstances in which he found himself. But in his grace, God spoke to Moses and encouraged him. Consequently, Moses henceforward stepped 
by step, determined to move through his limiting beliefs with an immature but indisputable faith that God would bless him. And having moments earlier been forced to face his own fears, he said to the cowering Israelites in Exodus 14, 13 and 14, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And then it happened, just like he said. The Lord told Moses to stretch out his hand over the Red Sea, so the waters would part for the people to cross. But they still having feelings of fear and doubt, Moses went ahead and did what God said. And what happened? The miracle happened. The people crossed on dry land. And when the Egyptian army tried to follow, the waves fell back on top of them. The Red Sea covered them up and drowned at every one of them. And at other times during his leadership of Israel, Moses' limiting beliefs surfaced, and he had to be, it had to be addressed. Moses was a human being, just like you and me. But don't think for that one moment of success erased a lifetime of having been programmed with limiting beliefs. And the key to his success was trusting God and moving through those false viewpoints one day at a time. He didn't wait until her voice stopped speaking to him. He moved through them, refusing to acknowledge any authority in them. And the underlying quantum truth seen in how Moses responded to limiting beliefs was his recognition that outcomes are not fixed, so that they must happen in, a, in the way which seem apparent. Evidence suggested there was no hope for Israel's survival when Pharaoh's army cornered them against the Red Sea. And when he stepped into what looked like an impossible outcome, Moses demonstrated a quantum reality rooted in how God designed life in this world to operate. Science has proven that we can influence the quantum fields that underlie physical reality by focusing our thoughts and intentions on a desired result. Pasquale Jordan a German physicist who was one of the founders of quantum mechanics wrote this, Observations not only disturb what has to be measured, they produce it. Where you put your attention reveals your expectation, which is another word for faith. And in the language of the Christian faith, we have authority inside the kingdom of God to shift and shape outcomes in this world. We don't just have to wait and see what happens. We can participate in the result. Faith is a focused intention that requires willingness to take action in the face of uncertainty. From both a biblical and scientific perspective, an elevated expectation that the circumstances will bend in our favor is an important aspect that empowers us to act as if the outcome we want will manifest even when the surrounding external data suggests otherwise. Don't allow limiting beliefs to have the final word. And persistently cling to the fact that the outcome you want 
exist. And even if it would take a miracle to manifest the outcome, you know you live in a place where miracles are always possible. Glory to God. Identifying limited beliefs can be challenging because they're often deeply ingrained in a person's thinking and behavior patterns. And the first step to overcoming them is to identify what they are. What restrained thoughts have come to you during your life? They may have come from your parents, education, church, circumstances, or other significant voices that have spoken into your life. Now take your time with this process. Ask the counselor inside you, the Holy Spirit, to show you the ways you have been handicapped by damaging beliefs that were imposed on you. And sometimes the messages came from well-intended people, but the damage to you is no less detrimental than if it had been intentional. When you have identified the limiting beliefs, challenge the evidence that supports you. And that's a critical step in dismantling them. It's important to look at what you believe and determine if there is evidence to substantiate it. The goal is to separate what is true from what you may have wrongly believed to be true. Carl Sagan said, The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Physicist Richard Feynman agreed. He said, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. Sometimes we can be sure about something when we couldn't be more wrong. For instance, some people who grew up in church believe they don't deserve to have their prayers answered. They were infected with the doctrinal teaching that has left them thinking they should be thankful they're even going to heaven. They believe that they haven't lived a life deserving of divine blessings. Sometimes they even believe that distorted view is humility. Until they realize how debilitating that viewpoint is, experiencing a robust faith is not going to come easy. Are you saying we deserve to go to heaven? One might ask. Well, that question misses the point entirely. A life in grace is not about deserving. Grace is unilateral goodness that comes without merit on the part of the recipient. Challenge the evidence of the limiting beliefs in your life, regardless of where they come from. And this can help you to see them differently. It can be the start of a transformation that can release you from being debilitated and free you to a more wide open space than you've ever known. It's in that wide open space that those amazing things manifest. And this is universal truth that applies to everyone. And once you have identified your limiting beliefs and challenged them, developing a new perspective is important. Having a new perspective enables you to see things differently, and in doing that, you will broaden your view of the world. It will open you to possibilities you haven't considered in the past. Many things will help you to, to develop a new perspective, but one way that seldom fails is to surround yourself with people who have different outlooks and are willing to challenge your beliefs. 
And it's incredible how much influence the people we spend our time with can influence us. It's easy to be influenced by things that can even seem incidental in our interactions with other people. In one scientific experiment, participants were shown videos of people with different emotional expressions and were told to mimic those expressions. Results showed that participants reported feeling the same emotions as the individuals in the videos, demonstrating emotional contagion through facial mimicry. Just mimic another, mimicking another person's facial expression made them feel the same as that person. In another study, participants were exposed to recordings of people with different emotional tones of voice and were asked to rate their own emotions after exposure. A re- results showed that participants reported feeling the same emotions as the people in the recordings, demonstrating emotional contagion through their tone of voice. If you want a new perspective, consider carefully who you allow to influence you. Listen to teachers who uplift you. Read books that introduce you to God's way of thinking. Find friends who nudge you upward and not pull you down. Open yourselves to new possibilities. And don't accept the notion that something is impossible just because you can't see a clear path toward its manifestation. Great things materialize when we look beyond the material possibilities into the world where all things are possible. Some people have been indoctrinated into a fear of failure that dooms them from the start. So they look for guaranteed ways to ensure their desired outcome before they move forward. And consequently, many of them get stuck in analysis paralysis and never make progress. Refuse to allow that fear-driven line of thought to guide your direction. There's always going to be naysayers talking to you externally and internally. Pay no attention to that. How will we ever learn if we only allow ourselves to be exposed to influences that do nothing but strengthen our existing paradigm? There ain't no growth without change, folks. And however scared it may feel at times, we have to move outside our comfort zone if we're going to grow. Nelson Mandela once said, it always seems impossible until it's done. Jesus said one can make a mountain throw itself into the sea if that person does not doubt in their heart but believe that what they say will happen. Mark 11, 22 and 23. Align your beliefs with the world where impossibilities yields to him possibility and watch what happens. Every possible outcome already exists, so embrace that fact in order to activate your faith. In Matthew nine twenty nine, Jesus said that it will happen the way you think it will happen. Your outlook on your circumstances can immeasurably transform your life for the better when you practice faith grounded in knowledge of the love of God. An enlightened uplook will give birth to an expectant outlook. But there's also such a thing as negative faith, and it's called fear. And its power is every bit as great as positive faith. When Job found himself in catastrophic circumstances, 
who spoke a very telling statement when he said, Job 3, 45, 26, For the thing which I fear comes upon me, and that which I am afraid of comes unto me. I am not at ease, neither am I quiet, neither have I rest, but trouble comes. What you think becomes the rails that bring what you get into your life. Let me say that again. What you think becomes the rails that bring what you get into your life. Romans 8 and 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Think this and get this. Think that and get that. That's how the Bible says it works in everyday life. It shall be done according to your faith, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 49. The body of scientific research that highlights the value of having a positive outlook and its impact on both physical and mental health is continually increasing. Studies have shown that people with a positive outlook have more robust immune systems and lower levels of stress hormones and experience less anxiety and depression. Cellular biologist and author Dr. Bruce Lipton wrote, The mind is the most powerful pharmacy in the world. Your thoughts can create health or disease, happiness or misery. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Philosopher and psychologist William James said, The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitudes. An enlightened outlook will give birth to an expectant outlook. But there's also such a thing as negative faith, and that's called fear. Its power is every bit as great as positive faith. When Job found himself in catastrophic circumstances, he spoke a very telling statement when he said in Job chapter 3 and verse 25, For the thing which I fear comes upon me, and that which I am afraid of comes unto me. I am not at ease, neither am I quiet, neither have I rest, but trouble comes. What you think becomes the rails that bring what you get into your life. Romans 8 and 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You think this, you get this. You think that, you get that. That's how the Bible says it works in everyday life. For example, a person with a positive outlook on a job interview can confidently approach the interview, express themselves clearly, and present their skills and qualifications effectively. On the other hand, a person with a negative outlook is going to have anxiety and perform poorly during the interview, reducing their chances of being offered the job. Our outlook also affects our resilience in facing challenges and setbacks. A person with a positive outlook is more likely to see challenges as opportunities for growth and to learn from their experiences. In contrast, a person with a negative outlook may become discouraged and give up when faced with obstacles. 
How does quantum science inform and fortify faith? Well, you know, the universe is not solid and that particles and matter exist in a state of potential called superposition until they are observed. This observer effect demonstrates the way that focused intention has a physical impact on the world around us. And at the moment, we focus our intention on a specific outcome or goal. We start to influence the potential state of reality. And this idea suggests that our thoughts and intentions can shape and create the reality that we experience. Thoughts and intentions are elements of faith. They can be identified by where you place your attention. Where you look reveals what you expect. And what you expect is what you will likely experience. So there's a lot of evidence now that exists to show that what we focus on often transitions into actual experience. Lynn McTaggart is a best-selling author and journalist who has written extensively about the power of intention in shaping our reality. This researcher has demonstrated through empirical studies how a focused thought or desire can change the physical world. McTaggart emphasizes the importance of developing a clear and positive intention and of being in a relaxed, receptive state when setting an intention. And she also teaches that it's imperative to believe in the power of your intention and to remain open to receiving the manifestation of your desires. McTaggart's teachings also emphasize the importance of being in a state of gratitude and love when setting an intention, since these positive emotions can boost the manifestation process. One experiment, called the Intention Experiment, that McTaggart conducted was the it was done in collaboration with several universities and organizations and is often referenced as an evidence of the power of intention. In this study, participants were asked to focus their intentions on a specific target, in one case a beaker of water, while scientists monitored the target for any changes. The results showed that participants' intentions significantly impacted the target, with the beaker of water changing its structure in response to the focused intention. Another experiment, the remote healing experiment aimed to test the impact of intentional physical healing, even when it was done a distance from the target recipient, from the targeted recipient. Participants were asked to focus their intentions on a distant person for a set of amount, set amount of time every day. And the results showed a noteworthy improvement in the person's physical health, suggesting that distant intention can impact physical reality. Well, in simple terms, the experiment showed that people could send healing thoughts to someone far away and they could make him better. A biblical example of this is found in the fourth chapter of John in the town of Capernaum. 
there was a royal official whose son was very sick. The nobleman had heard about Jesus and believed that he could heal his son. And he traveled to Cana, where Jesus was, to ask for his help. And when he found Jesus, the nobleman begged him to come to Capernaum and to heal his son. Jesus replied, he said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. John 4:48. However, the nobleman persisted, saying, Sir, come down before my child dies. John 4:49. Jesus then said to him, Go, your son will live. The nobleman believed Jesus set out for Capernaum. On the way home, his servants met him and told him that his son was alive and well. The nobleman asked him what time his son got better, and they replied, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, John 4, 52 and 53. And the nobleman realized that this was the exact time that Jesus had said, your son will live. Now here's an example of science and faith pointing to the same ultimate reality. Was it a quantum event or a spiritual event? When Jesus healed his, this man's son. Yeah, it was both. We have to come to the place where we stop separating the spiritual from the scientific and recognize that true science allows us to peek behind the curtain and see how God works in our midst. He wants us to know so that we can more consistently and effectively live like the kingdom citizens we are. Many people's experiences in life don't change because they've been wired to focus on the negative outcomes and only see life through a dark lens. It don't have to be that way. The Bible says it's possible to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do we do that? Well, the answer is to change the way we think. And when we change how we think, we change our focus. When we change our focus, we change our expectation. When we change our expectation, we change our outcomes. Glory to God. We are not victims, folks. With the spiritual approach of scientific application, we can change how we think and our lives can change. Listen to this. Neuroscience teaches us that we can alter our physical brains through neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity refers to the brain's ability to change and rewire itself in response to experiences we have. It deals with the way the brain creates new neural connections and reorganizes existing ones in response to changes in our thinking, behavior, and circumstances. The idea of neuroplasticity challenges the traditional view of the brain as a fixed and unchanging structure. Instead, it suggests that the brain has the ability to change and adapt throughout our lifetime. And this happens through a process called synaptic pruning. It occurs when the brain eliminates unused or redundant neural connections and synaptic growth, while at the same time, forming new neural connections in response to new experiences and learning. In other words, you can change how you think so that your outlook outlook leads to a different outcome. 
The Bible calls it being transformed through the renewing of your mind. It's not a complicated matter. It only requires cooperation with the spirit of truth for you to see it happen in your own life. And to make the process easy to remember, let's use this acrostic, G-R-O-W, grow, to represent ways to change your outlook. And G stands for gather. And the first basic step forward in changing how you think is to gather information that will motivate a change. Many people live at a level where their beliefs and behavior are shaped by their subconscious. They mindlessly live the same lifestyle every day, doing the same things and getting the same result without even seeing, without even thinking about it. The neural connections that have formed in their brains over time have trapped them in a rote routine that they never give any thought to. Nothing changes because they don't stop to consider the possibility of change. So the first step in changing your outlook so that your faith begins to empower your lifestyle is to stop, take a look at the lifestyle you're living now, and then determine to gather knowledge about how things can be different. And don't make this a rigorous rigorous regiment that requires you to rev up the religious RPMs so that God will help you. It's not complicated, folks. God has already helped you by allowing you to understand how your brain works and why you are where you are and how to change it. Think for a moment about how your brain works and how you came to the place where you are today. Imagine the neurons in your brain firing with every thought you have. When they fire, electrical impulses shoot from one neuron to the other. Continuing to have the same or even similar thoughts causes more neurons to fire until the impulses connect them to each other through what science calls synopsis. Think of a synopsis like a bridge that allows information to flow between neurons, which helps coordinate the functions of the nervous system. And a common expression says that neurons that fire together, wire together. As those synaptic connections continue to join neurons, the pattern forms a sort of internal GPS, directs your choices and actions. Envision a metal map with pins all over it and highlighted routes drawn that show the connection between the various pins. And these routes become the map that outlines your lifestyle. And most of the time, we travel that route without even being consciously aware of it. An important step, then, is to become aware of the way you're thinking and introduce new ideas to your brain that will disrupt the subconscious, hardwired, habitual way of thinking. New ideas activate new neurons, which can create new ways of thinking. When you create a new mental map, you move toward a new lifestyle with different outcomes. Albert Einstein once said this. He said, the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing your thinking. You need some new pins placed in your brain to change how you think. And that happens when we gain new information. And oft-repeated saying is, when we know better, we do better. And it's true. We come to know better as we increase our knowledge. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, glory to God. 
But you know, the truth alone doesn't set us free. It's when we know it that results come. Gathering new information that leads to change doesn't happen in one quick leap. Science studies have shown that there is a process that people move through when they experience lasting change. One study called the Trans-Theoretical Model explains how people progress through different stages when changing their lives. And these changes, these stages take time. And there are six of them. And consider these stages and see if you can identify where you are in the process of change. First one's called pre-contemplation, contemplation, pre-contemplation. In this stage, a person is not yet considering making a change and is unaware of the issue or problem they may need to address. Psychology calls it unconscious incompetence. In the workplace, human resource departments call it, sometimes call it skill or knowledge gap analysis. The healthcare world calls it clinical inertia. Well, I can mention these so you can see how pervasive this problem is across the board in society. The Bible calls it being blind or lost. Folks, and the problem is real. People don't know what they don't know. And maybe in order for your faith to grow, you need to understand that there are areas of life where you need to first gain knowledge before your faith can grow. And perhaps now would be a good time for you to ask the teacher who lives in you to show you ways this dilemma might be true in your own life. Contemplation. Once we come to see that there is a gap between where we are and where we want to be, and we have taken the first step that will help us bridge that gap, it's time to look forward. Don't fall into the trap of wallowing in regrets about the past. You can't change that. But you can focus on the future your loving father intends for you. Long ago, Socrates said, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. The Apostle Paul would later say in Philippians 3 and 13, Brethren, I count not myself yet to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. Focusing on regrets about the past will only debilitate your ability to move forward. If you want faith to grow, aim your focus in the direction that will nurture growth. Neuroplasticity will happen in the most productive way when you do that, and you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Preparation. The most important preparation to take in anticipation of changing is to cultivate an enthusiastic mindset. A sense of optimism and resilience comes from fanning the flame of enthusiasm about what lies ahead. And that's a starting place for change right there. Consider that word for a moment. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthusiasmos, which is derived from the adjective enthusiastus, meaning the possessed by God or inspired. In ancient Greece, Enthusiasm was considered a divine or supernatural state in which a person was believed to be possessed by a god or spirit. So they were inspired to perform great deeds or achieve extraordinary feats. And you certainly have every reason to launch 
into action from a place of enthusiasm about to change to come because the Christ who created all things resides in you. And then action. Change happens when knowledge we have gained finds expression in what we do. We know, then we do. Faith without works is dead, James 2.26 said. Grace is divine enablement to rise up and live the life we have been created to know and enjoy. Don't wait until every question has been answered and every step forward has been identified. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. God once told the prophet Isaiah, And your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, Isaiah 30 and 21, it happens how? One step at a time. Quantum science suggests that your life is connected to everything around you. The physicist, I can't pronounce his name, his last name is C-A-P-R-A, wrote this. He said the universe is not a collection of objects but is an inseparable web of vibrating energy patterns in which no one component has really independently, has reality independently from the entirety. Included in the entirety is the observer. The Bible explains in Colossians 1 and 16 and 17, For in him were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible and things invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him and unto him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And in him all things consist, the Bible tells us. You are in him, and so are your surrounding circumstances. What you do affects the world around, so recognize the divine power in you and do something constructive to change your internal and external world. Now, maintenance. Once you started your new way of living, don't fall back. Remember that the synaptic paths need to be reinforced, and the more you reinforce them, the easier it becomes to live a more productive lifestyle. And this is the transformation that comes by the renewing of your mind. And that's neuroplasticity. This is the way you were meant to live at a higher level. And it's time now to set your affection or your attention on things above, like it says in Colossians 3 and 2. Don't fall back into the old ways. One biblical proverb gives a glaring example of what it looks like when people fall back. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. And a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. When the scripture gives a gross warning like that, it's because we're intended to pay careful attention. Don't be that guy. Maintain your walk so that your change can lead to a greater faith. And then termination. This is the level that those who understand the levels of competency called unconscious competence. It's the stage when a person has developed a skill or knowledge in a particular area to the point that it becomes automatic. 
and they can perform the task without conscious effort or thought. The Bible calls it walking in the spirit because it refers to a lifestyle animated by the spirit of truth who indwells you. Don't think of the word termination as meaning an actual finish line. We will forever grow in our journey in faith. And for our purposes, consider it reaching that place where we discover what Jesus meant when he said, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the quantum life, the grace wall, or to use Apostle Paul's words, life in Christ. I don't make the mistake of thinking I am reducing the spiritual work of spirit to a simple formula. So let's be clear, it is the divine life within you that will facilitate this change in you. But on the other hand, you will be being obedient and cooperating in the process. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 says, We are laborers together with God. And these stages aren't linear, and a person might go back and forth between stages as they move through the chain they want in life. And this kind of growth requires commitment, time, and trust in the one who guides the process. And what if there was a simple yet powerful tool that could help you create the life you want? Well, this tool is the practice of seeing what you want as a present moment reality. And by envisioning your desires as already present in your life, you can tap into Christ's power to move into the reality he wants to give you. And this practice is based on the principles of quantum mechanics that suggest that reality is not fixed, but is shaped by what we believe about life. Adopting a quantum perspective on reality can align your thoughts and beliefs with biblical teaching about faith. When you see what you want as a present moment reality, you focus on what you want rather than what you don't want. And this helps shift your mindset from lack and limitation to an attitude of grace-filled possibility. And it also helps to elevate your faith so that you can realize in your experience all the blessings awaiting you. And one key for moving to that place is to stop thinking about what's going to happen in the future and focus and shift your focus to see what you already have been given, everything you need for life. Second Peter 1 and 3. You don't lack anything. But at this very moment, you got it all. Colossians chapter 2 and 9 and 10 says that Christ is the fullness of the Godhead in human form and that you are complete in him. And it's important to denounce the idea that there is still something we need from God to give us a better future. Inside the kingdom of God, there's no past, there's no present, and there's no future. There is only the eternal now. And you have all you need at this moment. Stop thinking about what will happen and see it as real. God's not going to work in your life. The Spirit is already actively at work. He's guiding you into the awareness of what's already yours. It's up to you to just get up and embrace it. And that's exactly how Jesus lived. 
in John chapter 5 and verse 19, he told his disciples, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. Jesus said that not one thing was possible for him to do except those things which he saw his father doing. Not what his father was going to do, but what he was doing in that present moment. And the problem for many who want to exercise faith is that they see manifestation in their future instead of the present moment. They say things like this. They say, I believe that God is going to answer this prayer. I'm standing on the promises of God to do what it says. Well, I know it's going to happen. That type of sentiment is often applauded in the church's faith, but it's not the way to bring forth manifestation. Prayers and hope built on that kind of faith always looks to the future, not the present, and they won't see it fulfilled. This is the way it is with the kind of faith many people have. They believe that something's going to happen. But it never does because their faith is pointed to the future instead of the present. And it's important to begin to think about the present in a different way. Using our imagination is a helpful way to do that. Biblical faith is animated by a healthy imagination. Imagination allows people to visualize and create mental images of what they want so that they can see it as being already present. Don't misjudge or underestimate the power of healthy visualization. Faith is a spirit-inspired imaging of an answer to what we have wanted or prayed for. When you use imagination as an expression of faith, you create a powerful force for manifestation and can bring your desires and beliefs into time and space. It can become real in the transcendent mind before you see it in the temporal moment. And this happens because the mind doesn't differentiate between real and imagined experiences. When you watch a sad movie, you'll tear up. A scary movie is going to cause your body to produce adrenaline and cortisol. And on the other hand, a romantic film can cause you to release happy hormones like endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine. And think in a productive way and you'll get productive results. It's all about what you see. After Lot and Abraham went to their separate ways, God told Abraham in Genesis 13 and 15, I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And while it's true you meant physical sight, there certainly is a metaphorical truth in that story. God did a similar thing with another prophet. And in that instance, it wasn't about physical sight at all, but metaphysical vision. Jeremiah 1 and 11 says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Now follow the story, and you'll learn that what he saw was a prophetic insight into what would happen in Israel. Now let's consider another prophet. Amos, chapter 7 and verse 8, says this. The Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? 
And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line, that's as a standard, among my people, Israel, showing the defectiveness of the nation requiring judgment. Well, there it is again. What the prophet saw was a precursor to what was going to happen. If you search the phrase, what do you see in the Bible, you'll discover that what a person sees is usually a prediction of what they experience. So it's important then to learn to see. Many people need to have their vision healed to see clearly using spiritual sight instead of physical. If you don't see it with your eyes, then what are you to do? How do you see it? Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And he prayed for the eyes of their hearts to see. The eyes of your heart doesn't refer to a physical vision, but a spiritual vision consumed and carried by the Holy Spirit who sees it all and shows you through your imagination. Sanctified imagination is a way to see beyond the temporal and recognize what exists in the transcendent. And it's not pretending or choosing to fake it till you make it. Because imagination is a power you possess that can be used for good or evil. It can be constructive or destructive. The Bible says we are to take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. And I encourage you to yield your imagination to the spirit of truth and be led into a vision of what already is when authentic faith is exercised. Science has proven the power of imagination. One of the most widely known examples is the placebo effect. The placebo effect demonstrates the power of imagination in influencing physiological responses. When patients believe they are receiving treatment, even if it's only a placebo, their imagination can cause real measurable physiological changes. Another example is mental rehearsal. This type of experiment shows how visualization can affect physical performance. Athletes and performers have been shown to improve their abilities by mentally rehearsing their actions beforehand. And see the point scored at this very moment, every part of your body will respond to that reality. Albert Einstein said this, he said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. A great tool you possess to activate faith that sees results is an imagination captured and cared by the Spirit. A healthy imagination is powerful, and don't allow yourself to be robbed of its benefit by some false teaching you may have had about the spiritual dangers inherent in the imagination. Just like your physical body, you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. So begin now to use it as a tool for embracing present moment blessings in your life. And remember, you aren't the greyhound chasing the hare that is always out in front. You're seeing the reality you want as a present moment experience. Quantum physics comes forward to say that everything is made up of atoms. 
which are made of particles called quanta. And the substance of those quanta is not matter, but rather can best be described as energy vibrating at a certain frequency, which tends to come into existence by gathering with other quanta vibrating at the same frequency. The fact that at a subatomic level, the particles that form that form everything are not standing still, but are vibrating, translate as everything is energy in motion. Everything is energy in motion. Our thoughts are no different. They, too, are vibrating energy. Whatever thoughts we choose, they vibrate at a particular frequency that is drawn to elements, including other thoughts, that vibrate at the same frequency. And although some have disputed its accuracy, Albert Einstein is reputed to have said, everything is energy, and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want, and you cannot help but get that reality. Einstein spoke about the relationship between matter and energy. He said it followed from the special theory of relativity that mass and energy are both but different manifestations of the same thing. Now, I know you didn't get this in church, and it may be unfamiliar to you, but don't dismiss this as New Age guru talk. It's science, and it explains how the kingdom of God works. Einstein, Einstein said that mass and energy are the same thing. Encyclopedia Britannica explains it as E equals MC squared. That's an equation in German-born physicist Albert Einstein's theory of special relativity that expresses that mass and energy are the same physical entity and can be changed into each other. Isaac Newton taught us that bodies with mass attract each other, called the law of universal gravitation. Einstein taught us that mass and energy are equivalent through his famous formula, E equals MC squared. So energy and matter are the same. Therefore, energy in the form of our thoughts attracts matter. And can't you see the simple logic of this? It is a syllogism. If A is true and B is true, then C must be true. It's simple logic. A, mass attracts mass. B, mass is energy. C, energy attracts mass. Consequently, since internal thoughts are energy, they attract experiences in the material world. And the way to interface with limitless impossibilities, which science calls potential, and access the power of this creative principle is to focus your thoughts on the state of being surrounded by the conditions you want to produce. Set your mind and broadcast a higher vibration by thinking the right things. See the blessings you await as a finished work. To rest in that field of things above is what some call abiding in Christ. In that environment of pure love, all things can happen. It's time to embrace the mind of Christ. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believes, and with God all things are possible. Every possibility exists in wave form. 
in potential inside the kingdom of God where divine agape is the ultimate and perfect quantum life. But if you want your faith to soar, focus on how much you are loved by God and watch your emotions be lifted to align with his heart towards you. And when that happens, you'll be ready to see mountains move out and miracles move in. What does it mean to pray for God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Does the prayer suggest that the kingdom of God needs to relocate from the celestial realm to an earthly one? Not at all. The prayer isn't about presence, but perception. One time, when the Pharisees asked Jesus when his kingdom would come, he gave an answer no one expected. He said, Neither shall they say, Lo, here or there, for lo, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 29, 41. Their question was rooted in an underlying sense of nationalism that only understood physical kingdoms built around political parties and powerful people who rule over others who submit. They wanted a map of things to come, but Jesus told them that what they were looking for was already here. They just couldn't see it. The kingdom of God isn't out there, but is already among us. Many in the evangelical world today have got the same problem as those did two millennia ago. They want to know a timeline for when Jesus Christ plans to set up his kingdom. And like the Pharisees, they can only anticipate a future time. They imagine him coming back, taking over, setting up a kingdom on the earth that is absent at this point in time. In their minds, we have little chance for things to get any better until Christ returns and takes over by force. Remember that greyhound that chases that mechanical rabbit around the racetrack, but they never catch it. And that's the kind of approach a lot of people take to the kingdom of God. They're chasing after something they think is out there ahead of us, but in reality, it's already here among us and in fact within us. While Christ is indeed coming again in their obsession with future things, there's going to be a lot of people missed the point that he's already here. And whatever your views may be about end time prophecy, it's important to acknowledge that Christ is here and according to him, the kingdom of God is already here too. And we're not going to be able to see the kingdom of God manifesting among us as long as we believe it's only a future event. This kingdom that Jesus described isn't one like anything we've known so far. The kind of kingdom he described is characterized by compassion, by mercy, and by forgiveness. And it's a kingdom open to anyone and everyone willing to enter in by faith. It is a life of service toward others and one of humility and selflessness. The kingdom of God coming on earth is nothing less than our eyes being open to the reality that already exists among us. God's kingdom won't be manufactured in this world, but will be manifested 
And remember that faith doesn't create, but facilitates what's already present. Faith simply brings outcome from the invisible to the visible. The kingdom of God will become visible to everybody, but not because the king and his kingdom aren't already here. Thy kingdom come isn't to be tied to our calendar, but to our consciousness. While his kingdom is already among us, most aren't cautious of it because it isn't the kind of kingdom we've been taught to recognize. Many are waiting for something to happen when in reality it is finished already. The king we await is already here and his kingdom exists among us as surely as it exists beyond us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom simultaneously exists on earth and in heaven. Jesus told his disciples that they weren't able to recognize the kingdom of God among them because they were looking for it in the wrong places. People today are trying to establish the kingdom of God by having the right religious program, the right religious practices, the right religious politician, and other misguided approaches that fail to recognize that we don't need to create God's kingdom, but only need to connect to it by faith. In Mark 1.15, Jesus told his disciples, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. When he said the kingdom is is at hand, did Jesus mean the time was close or that the kingdom of God was nearby? Was he speaking of a date or a distance? And in the original language of the New Testament, the phrase at hand is E-N-G-I-K-E-N. Another time the word was used was at the Last Supper. Jesus had with his disciples. Speaking of Jesus, the one who would betray him, Jesus said, the one who betrays me is at hand. Was that a reference to time or location? Obviously, he meant that the one standing right there nearby was the one who would uh, betray him. So when the Bible says that the kingdom of God is at hand, it refers to its proximity to us. Another time in Matthew 4 and 17, the Bible says from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we need to stop thinking about the kingdom of God isn't here, or even that it isn't already fully here. Some people speak of extending the kingdom of God. But that terminology can be misleading. While it recognizes the presence of God's kingdom among us, it fails to acknowledge its omnipresence. The manifestation of the kingdom of God will come through a spiritual awakening to its pervasive presence. And as that happens in our lives, we'll find ourselves proclaiming the same message that Jesus did. Change your mind about what you've expected because the kingdom of God is right here. Now, wave particle duality. Wave particle duality is a fundamental concept in quantum mechanics that describes how particles can exhibit both wave-like and particle-like behavior. Is it a wave or is it a particle? 
Until it's observed, the answer is, yeah, it's both. And it makes no sense even to the scientists. How can something exist in two ways and places at the same time? And it's baffling, as uh, most matters of spirit usually are. Richard Feynman, one of the most renowned physicists of the 20th century, he once said, I think I can safely say that no one understands quantum mechanics. Do not keep saying to yourself, if you can possibly avoid it, but how can it be like that? Because you will get down the drain into a blind alley from which no one has yet escaped. No one knows how it can be like. Is the kingdom of God in heaven or on earth? The answer is mind-boggling, but the answer is yes. My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus in John eighteen thirty-six. Then he turned right around and said, The kingdom of God is among you. In Luke seventeen twenty-one. Wait, which one is it? Is it God's kingdom not of this world, or is it among us in this world? Well, the answer is both. All the possibilities for your life exists inside the kingdom of God and are available to those who see. And it's when we see through the eyes of faith that these possibilities manifest in our lives in definitive ways. The kingdom, the king, and his gifts are all fully accessible right now. And it's simply a question of perception. A vision of the eternal reality that envelops your earthly experience changes everything. Wave particle duality suggests that the nature of reality is not set, but is malleable. Heaven on earth is available to you as you walk in faith. Your life will change when your temporal perspective aligns with the eternal truth of the kingdom of kindness, ruled by the king of kings, whose desire is to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Ephesians 3 and 20. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the experience you are intended to know and can know as your faith rises and resonates with the reality that surrounds you. During his trial, Jesus was speaking to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus if he was the king of Jews. And Jesus responded by saying, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. John eighteen thirty six. Jesus clarified to Pilate that his kingdom is not a physical political kingdom like the Roman Empire, but a spiritual one that transcends the physical world. It's a kingdom not limited by geographical boundaries or political structures. And if you don't want to wait until you die to experience the reality of living inside the kingdom of God, recognize that you're already there. At this very moment, you are already seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 and 6. And possess everything you need to live at the highest level. So you don't have to die first. British theologian and scholar N.T. Wright said the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting people to heaven, but of getting people, but of getting heaven to people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a prayer 
for manifestation by aligning yourself with the culture of that kingdom of Christ, you can tap into infinite potential and no heaven on earth. Jesus said, God has blessed you because your eyes can see and your ears can hear. So open your eyes now and see. That's where you are in your journey at this point. Wave particle duality is the scientific expression of how energy can simultaneously be an all-encompassing wave and a specific particle. So it is with the kingdom of God, which is at the same time everywhere and right here with you in your particular circumstances. Quantum entanglement refers to the phenomenon in which two or more particles are connected in a way that the state of one particle can't be described independently of the other particle, even if the particles are separated by a large distance. That means that if the state of one particle is changed, the same thing will instantaneously happen to the other. And in terms of being simultaneously in two places, quantum entanglement suggests that particles can exist in multiple states or locations at the same time, a concept we identified earlier as superposition. The idea of, of a particle being in two places at once is a result of wave-particle duality. Wave and particle form are both present until one particle is observed, and then the superposition collapses at that point and the particle manifests in only one state. This idea of particles being simultaneously in two places was described by Einstein as spooky action at a distance and continues to be a mystery to the scientific understanding of the world and the nature of reality. This quantum phenomenon offers a framework for better understanding how faith can cause your prayers to be answered. And using the language of science, the superposition collapses and the particle is then in only one state or location. And using a biblical perspective, it is by seeing through the natural into the supernatural that faith-empowered observation brings the answer to our prayers. What you see is what you get. The eternal reality that envelops us becomes an experiential reality that encourages us to live in faith as if we have been given everything we need for life. Because we have. It's a different way of looking at life. That's more than hope. It is a confidence that comes from understanding that what is ultimately true in the supernatural world is unambiguously true in the natural world. Quaker author, philosopher, and educator Elton Trueblood rightly said, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. This isn't a mind game, folks. It's real. And we experience it when we can look beyond our temporal walk into the transcendent world that defines the ultimate reality in our lives. It's not a religious fake. It's not a religious fake it until you make it mantra. We mindlessly recite as some groups that focus on faith would have us practice. Instead, this is a substantive, scientific, and spiritual reality 
that empowers us to faith it, not fake it. Quantum faith is an energetic faith. It's not a passive lifestyle. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, In God's eyes, our words have only the value of our actions. In other words, talk is cheap. Our life here is a grace walk, not one of passivity. While there are times when waiting is appropriate, there are other times when spirit-animated action expresses our faith. And living daily with the knowledge that our lives are intertwined with the kingdom of God can be a powerful source for empowering our faith. And as we recognize the entanglement we share with God, we're able to tap into a source of strength and wisdom that transcends our human limitations. The kingdom of God is not out there, but is right here at this very moment. His kingdom comes and his will is done in your life as it is in heaven when you recognize his present reality and behave accordingly. Wave-particle duality shows both the transcendent and imminent reality of God's kingdom. And quantum reality shows that Christ in, through, and as you can express a lifestyle, that is nothing less than miraculous. Well, folks, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God will it. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. darkest night what will be my guiding light the shining rays of red and white Jesus I trust in you sacred heart in you I find mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus.
Jesus, I trust.